Welcome to Airdrop episode number nine. We're here today with Sivon Springer, and he's put together the killer blockchain course in nativeassets.co. I'm really looking forward to speaking to him today to uncover what he's learned, spending more time putting information together in this space than most people will have even heard about it on the news. Sivon, I'm incredibly grateful to have you on the show today. Please introduce yourself and let's get this, let's, let's get this going. Thank you so much, Josh. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here, man. And and yeah, it's um, we're living in some very interesting times. And I think that uh, it's really important that people understand the breadth and the depth that that comes with this industry. And so really just just my job, my interest, uh, my my interest led me to figure out a way that I could take a lot of that information and distill it down to the need to knows, uh, but not skimp on many, on any of the nuance associated with that and provide it to people uh, in a easy to consume format uh, that is aiming to do its best to be objective uh, as well. So yeah, I, I'm just trying to do my part. You know, you're a builder yourself. So there's so many ways to contribute to this ecosystem. So I'm just doing the part that I can. What was it about blockchain and Web3 in particular that led you to want to be such a steward in, you know, creating these, these products where people can learn and get a massive head start in the space? When did you hear about, you know, blockchain crypto? And what was it that got you particularly excited enough to want to take this leap into doing it? Phenomenal question. So like many people may have, I got into blockchain and crypto in 2017. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd heard about it prior to then because I was just into tech, uh, particularly mobile tech. I was really into cell phones, you know, rooting, jailbreaking, changing your kernels and all of that, mm. uh, as well as, uh, you know, good old site. Some folks know as the Pirate Bay, got a lot of uh, game ISO files off of that. Um, so anyhow, I was into technology. So when I first heard about Bitcoin, I'm thinking to myself, okay, every day there's some new tech that you'll read about and then you'll never hear about it again. And so I never paid it too much mind, right? Uh, but then 2017 came around, a friend of mine's uncle was mining Ethereum and he knew I was into tech and, and, and entrepreneurially minded. And so he uh, hit her up and she let me know like, yo, he said, you should probably check this stuff out. So I did. And, you know, it was definitely a speculative mania at that point, uh, but I jumped in at the very end of 2017. So when everything started crashing, it was really a godsend because, mm. you know, the old saying, you know, you only lose money if you sell. And <laughs> so uh, I kept it in and that really got my mind share invested. And so at that point, I started digging and really pulling the, the, the threads back. And as I started doing that, I really got an understanding of what made this stuff different from Web to why we needed decentralized um, services and products and, and tech stacks. And so as I just kind of got further and further, further into it, you kind of layer on the financial component, you know, it's like Maslow's hierarchy needs. So you got the financial component, it, it helps out. Then you have the social culture component, it helps out. You have governance that it helps out. And you just really look at it, it's like, duh, this, this makes sense. And when people get it, we will see, you know, everything ported over to this landscape. So how can I be a steward to, to the community to help kind of condense that information that I spent years of looking on YouTube, good video, bad video, you know, making bad investments, good investments, and really put the information together so that the average person who may not even be too technically minded can wrap their head around it. Yeah, a lot of the videos um, in the early space of crypto kind of remind me of uh, really early YouTube. And I'd go yes. on YouTube, I'm like, how to use a capture card. And you'd see some video in like 240p filmed and the mic was crackling. And you'd, be, you'd struggle through like nine minutes of this video to find that one 10 second part you needed. And I think what people need in crypto is just 
a, a very practical down-to-earth guide on how to get started that kind of cuts through all of the super, super, super technical stuff that's out there. So is, is, is what you're wanting to do to try and provide that central hub where people can go and it's a one-stop shop to, to, to get you on your way to being, you know, whatever you want to be in the industry because people have different aims. So some people want to be investors and, or traders. Some people want to learn the ins and the outs to really build something here. Other people are maybe just interested in the cultural aspect and how they can apply that to their current job. Which part of, of, of the blockchain of the space is what you're most excited about? So I would definitely say that out the gate, it was the, the financial benefit. And I mean that from interest, like that <laughs> alone, you know, because I, I do my best to wrap my head around risk and put myself in the position of people who maybe don't have as much disposable or investable income. And, you know, uh, for those who aren't viewing this, uh, I'm of colored descent. And so, you know, in, in particularly in, in a lot of the colored communities or underrepresented communities, financial literacy is something that is lacking. And so for me, initially, the idea was, all right, how do I communicate how somebody can plug into this system so that they can improve their economic situation. Because going back to the hierarchy of needs, if somebody is struggling to feed themselves, to feed their children, to keep the lights on, they probably shouldn't be con too concerned with the social or the cultural components of it because their base needs are not being met. And so that's where I approached it from to begin with. So uh, the course itself of the program, the platform, we began by diving into understanding what the underlying technologies are, because you probably shouldn't use something if you don't really understand what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, so we cover that. And then we talk about uh, dollar cost averaging. We talk about investing. We talk about trading. So it's almost financial literacy under the guise of blockchain and crypto, because I mm -hmm. think it's one of the best applications and ways to get people involved. But to that end, um, we went back through and we added some more material in. So there are some components talking about NFTs. And I also want to add some more components where I spread more information about how you can find work in this industry, because that's a really undervalued opportunity. Uh, and so in the long run, the goal would be to have this be a hub where anybody can pop in and any sort of tangential thing you want to learn about the industry, you can learn. But for right now, we've definitely begun to stay very focused on the investing uh, and the economic side of it. And we've been building in other components like NFTs uh, and those sort of things uh, as time goes on. Yeah, I want to play a little bit potentially devil's advocate here and pick up on a point that you said that I want to challenge yeah. you on because a key part of, of what you said was picking up on the, the fact that people can use crypto to sort of change their economic status and one of the things that you hear about most in the news is all of the the crazy gains people are making um you know it's minted many a new millionaire has come from the crypto scene but for somebody who's you know they've got five hundred dollars to their name they've got a thousand dollars or potentially not even that and they are willing to dedicate you know 12 hours of each day to learning about the space to trying everything they can to make money do you think it's still realistic for that person in that position to be able to make life-changing amounts or even just a monthly income from crypto? To begin with, almost certainly no. And I'm glad you bring that point up because a lot of what I teach is about being able to even identify where you are at in that mm -hmm. spectrum. So a concept that I, I really stress to folks is having the bounce back fund. So some people call it a rainy day fund. I try to be a little more optimistic in my <laughs> language. I call it a bounce back fund. But if you don't have cushion, you know, so that if you didn't bring in another dime for a month, 
two months, three months, really is just the longer you can stretch that out, the better. But if you don't have runway to keep you um, alive, <laughs> basically surviving for a stretch of time, if no money came in, you're not in a position where you should be investing yet. And even with the investing component of it, obviously there's layers to it. You got traders and 99% and of people should not even try to trade, right? It's, 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 <laughs> it's simple, but it's not easy. Yeah. Uh, and so down below that, you have long-term investing, which most people should work their way to doing. But then beneath that, you have simply saving, right? But saving in the true sense, not saving where you store your money somewhere, then inflation erodes it away to zero, but saving where it actually goes up over time. And so that is where I like to try to start people at if they are uh, if they're in one of those situations where they maybe don't have as much and they can't allocate the dollar cost average necessarily, I try to point them in the direction of what I find to be the safest protocols to use. So sometimes that means centralized ones. You know, I'm a decentralization guy myself to show them like, hey, you can beat inflation if you sit what is sitting in your savings account here. You can do it with a stable coin so you don't have to wake up and worry that, you know, it's going to be 50% less or something like that. And explaining to these people uh, the differences of how you can go about it between the trading, between the investing, dollar cost averaging, and simply putting something where it will grow over time passively. And so we go into a lot of those nuances, how to do that from a centralized standpoint, decentralized standpoint. But to your point, no, it's not for everybody. And even when I built it, I was targeting people who were already working professionals. Um, and, and I had to make that tough call uh, because I can't you know, serve you, you know, this is a builder yourself. You can't make everybody happy with what you provide. Um, so you do have to kind of be at a starting place, but uh, yeah, I do feel like compared to most other opportunities that exist, interest, earning interest on stable coins is one of the safest mm -hmm. ways. And obviously there's a caveat to all of it that somebody can begin to grow the little bit that they may have versus getting 0.0062% at Wells Fargo, who's just going to launder it to some cartel folks at some <laughs> point in time, like they are apt to do. So, <laughs> yeah, I am, I am, I'm shocked by the difference of, you know, we've had 7% plus inflation over the last year. Um, we've seen, if you, if you put a thousand in a bank account, you'd be sitting on, you know, roughly 90, 930, right? If you put that in a stable coin, you'd be having, you know, 1200, 1100, depending <laughs> which kind of protocol you're going with. But yeah. if everybody was as financially educated as, you know, the people who are doing that, what would happen? It's a bit of an interesting thought experiment to play out, but you know, why would you keep money in a bank account paying you 0.5% if you knew about these other options? Mm -hmm. And then what that leads me on to saying is over the next few years, what's going to happen? Because there's going to reach a tipping point of public awareness where people, enough people know about this and there's enough trust in the systems so that people could uh, start making those switches. And if so, are banks going to almost have to start competing with crypto in a way? Like, because I'm, I'm saying there's all these new co uh, things coming out. And at some point, somebody's going to have to put their hands up and say, okay, uh, they've beaten us. Yeah, no, no, no. Phenomenal point. And I think you already know the trajectory of it. So I'll voice how I see the situation. So obviously, markets are looking for, for efficiency. And that's where alpha often comes from is there is an inefficiency in the marketplace. So it gets arbitraged until it disappears or there remains some imbalance where somebody has an advantage so they can kind of play the market to their favor. 
as it stands right now, if you are involved in crypto, you are taking advantage of the inefficiency of the information availability and the technical know-how to enter these markets. And so when we see something like Anchor Protocol paying out roughly 20% interest, and we don't have to talk about any of the crazy thousands and thousands, because those aren't sustainable. Uh, but some of these protocols like Anchor, like what Nexo may be doing, some of these other centralized exchanges, that's available right now because of a balance of there's not too many people trying to claim it versus the, the kind of offset that these firms generate by having their volatile assets accrue interest and in other ways that they monetize. But long story short, eventually, as more people come in, one of two things happens with the supply demand economics, either the yields begin to creep down, because it has to satisfy these different people who are coming in. But what I think we're actually going to see is that firms that are already native to crypto that are already doing this, and then adding in some of these legacy institutions like a BlackRock, right? Uh, and possibly some institutions that maybe aren't even banks right now will begin to partner with banks. So without getting too tangential, thinking about ExxonMobil, who mm. says they're going to begin to mine Bitcoin with mm. their off-gassing. Mm. Well, depending on what partnerships they set up, they can partner with financial entities to monetize what they're doing on that end. And basically what that will bring us to eventually, in my humble opinion, at first is over-collateralized loans being normal, at these financial institutions mm -hmm. using pristine collateral, likely Bitcoin, and then after Bitcoin, Ethereum as the collateral. And so when you have over collateralization, which we know was the polar opposite of how financial institutions operate today, mm -hmm. it will make it where they can't default from that framework alone. Now we know they're still gonna rehypothecate and do their thing off to the side. You know, they're always gonna be probably, if they have it their way, more debt then there is actual money to pay off the debt. Um, but as we begin to transition more to that world where these institutions are using pristine collateral, it lowers the risk for them, which then allows them to provide these higher yields to the average person. So in the long run, do I think people will be earning 20%? Probably not, but it will damn sure be over 1%, over 2%. <laughs> You know, and, and as it stands, people are barely getting a tenth of a percent. So, um, yeah, I, I think that'll kind of be the direction it goes. But a lot of it depends on, you know, where these incumbents decide that they don't want to budge. But in my opinion, it's not going to be too much of a question or an option for them not to budge because it's it'll be a bad decision on their part in many regards down the road from political suicide to financial fiscal suicide. So it's kind of one of those things where, you know, as the meme goes, Bitcoin eats the world, so to say. <laughs> yeah. And, and speaking of Bitcoin, I think we are overdue the flippening happening, you know, that this mm -hmm. year there's been a lot of talk in the space. I have personally always been a big fan of Ethereum you know, yeah. I've, you know that you see the Bitcoin maxis out there, um, preaching. and I think they're starting to get cold feet right about now. I think we're starting to see some anxiety in the air. <laughs> no, man, I agree. It's funny because in 2019, I was when people would ask me when I try to talk to them, I'd be like, "Yo, obviously Bitcoin's the safest thing you can do." Like, duh. But if you're trying to maximize upside, get Ethereum, and and I mean, we see it in the numbers themselves, and I think that there, obviously everybody gets it who really studies it. There is a very particular place and role that Bitcoin plays. 
Mm-hmm. But then there are certain things that Bitcoin just cannot do. And when we're talking about kind of financial stability, the idea of perfect money, Bitcoin, it wins. But Ethereum is not that far behind it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think that what clouds it a lot of times is that you can do so much with Ethereum. We see shenanigans with Ethereum a lot too. But if we're talking about an open decentralized system, you can't prevent the shenanigans from taking place. You know, <laughs> shenanigans being people rug pulling on NFT projects, this, that, and the third. But the issue is almost, and I talk about this in the book, never a problem with how Ethereum works or is built. Not yeah. really. Yeah. Now, yeah. That's not to say that it can't be improved, you know, but Bitcoin had to go through improvements. There's things, still things that Bitcoin is not perfect at. Uh, but but to your point, I, I don't know if we will see a price flipping uh, of Ethereum to, to Bitcoin, but I definitely, it's already flipped it in so many ways. If I'm not mistaken, daily transaction volume has already surpassed mm-hmm. it. We know for a fact developer count is far outpaced Bitcoin. Sometimes I even think in my head, like, who develops Bitcoin? Like, who works on it? Because it doesn't change. <laughs> you know, not saying it needs to change a lot, but uh, but yeah, I, I think that the natural resolution, if the market is the one deciding the value of things, is going to be a time period where Ethereum is more valuable than Bitcoin, even if it's just in market cap yeah. because of how many people use it and build on it. I think the 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 incentivization structure of Ethereum versus Bitcoin was genius. I mean, Bitcoin, as you said, it's it's a giant, but it moves very slow and it has limited function. And there are people that work on Bitcoin, but I don't think they're as financially motivated as the developers that work on Ethereum. I mean, both are open source, both have, you know, probably thousands, Ethereum, maybe tens of thousands of active developers working on it at any one point. And the beauty of Ethereum is the the tokens within it can be continuously developed, new frameworks put out. And I mean, every week you see a new ERC token standard get a, a, you know approved by the community and go out there. And we've seen some huge innovations and it's what ma- has made NFTs possible. It's what's provided the framework for a lot of the major DeFi products. And so the open source nature of Ethereum that anybody can come in, add a standard to the community and then use that for financial gain is potentially as a computing platform is potentially why it's always had the edge over Bitcoin from the beginning. And I think anybody who really, you know, wants to see the space progress forward are working on Ethereum. At this point, there's no contest between the two of them. Yeah, no, 100%. Very, very eloquently said. And I think even, you know, because I acknowledge that other smart contract in particular platforms will have their purpose. For instance, I very much foresee the Solana is going to specialize in gaming. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that some of these like Terra, we're already seeing they're choosing to specialize on DeFi and we're going to see some of these use cases, but nothing is going to, Ethereum will always be the Bitcoin of smart contract mm-hmm. and coding when it comes to, to blockchain development. And we see that even reflected in how, um, most of these other L1s or smart contract platforms, the ones that want to thrive, they have to build themselves to be Ethereum virtual machine compatible so that there's that easy uh, plug and play in that, in that interoperability. And yeah, I just think that if people really extrapolate out usage, so bringing in the next 100 million people using these these platforms, mm. it's going to be because they're using applications. It's not going to be because they all just swear and live by and die by Bitcoin. Uh, it's going to be because they're using something that is a superior version of its non-smart contract, you know, non-Web3 counterpart, and it gains mass adoption. And there's, you know, several steps to that. But 
what we've seen over the last year or two is mind boggling and just how the growth has gone, not just in price, but in actual usage. Yeah, yeah, I think that in a few years time when the 100 million people are onboarded, you're not going to realize whether you're using a blockchain based application, mm. a web based application, I think everything's going to be so interoperable, so meshed together. And it's the, the whole point of this is to provide a better alternative. And that's not going to involve the friction and the complicated <laughs> UIs and the learning curve that we're seeing today. Uh, yeah. so, so the tipping point is going to be when people are coming on, people are using blockchain. They don't know that they're using blockchain. That's when we know that crypto has gone mainstream and everything people have been trying to achieve over the past few years has kind of been done. And then we'll see how everything flattens out after that. Yeah, yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. So I want to ask you a question that I've asked um, a couple of people so far this week, and I really want to get your thoughts on it. Are Let's you going it. to ape in? Is that a, ape. that's an event? So ApeCoin released oh, last week. okay. Okay, and so Yuga I... Labs has done their masterstroke. Yeah. <laughs> What's your thoughts on this whole situation? Do you believe that they are going to create the, the number one metaverse? Do you think there's going to be DeFi products integrated? Are you going to ape in? Okay, all right. So I see how you phrase it. I didn't know if it was like an in real life event that they had. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's it. Okay, so I already bought some. About $100 worth. <laughs> so we got exposure. Um, but personally, man, this way I look at it. They are the front runner from brand neck recognition standpoint, and that cannot be undervalued, right? Mm -hmm. People think about NFTs. They think Board Ape Yacht Club. Now, that's, that, that's, that's good and that's bad in some cases. But if I'm just assessing and, and haven't been in the space as long as I have and also when I was younger, man, I was heavy into gaming, right? Mm -hmm. So like we talked about before, mm -hmm. I've studied a lot of different types of technologies. You know, I read papers from, you know, black budget agencies about things they were testing out in the 60s and 50s and whatnot. So I, oh, I think like about that. this tech That's stuff. cool. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, in the, I think it was the 50s, there was this experiment. There's a website called um, theblackvault.com or blackvault.org, and it's just a compendium of papers that had to get released through Freedom of Information mm -hmm. Act. And the government, they tried to connect the brains of an ape to a little girl via wireless neural interface. And this isn't like the 50s, right? You can literally read this in this research paper. And they had the thesis that if they connected the brains of the two, then they would see each other as one. So the ape would see itself as the girl, vice versa. <laughs> it didn't work out that way. The ape killed the girl and, you know, failed experiment. But when I see things like that, I know that might sound wild to some people. But I <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a curveball, man. That was out of nowhere. Just <laughs> We're talking about apes, though. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about apes. So I only say that to make the point that the difference between what somebody may expect or think is feasible with technology versus what is can be very different. And then even when you assess the viability and potentiality, mm -hmm. execution is a whole nother matter. And I, unless Yuga is committing Basically, if, unless they're betting the farm, their entire enterprise on this working from an investment standpoint and acquiring developers, acquiring studios, acquiring artists to do things that are not just damn 2D, hell no, it's not going to be the, the damn metaverse. I, I, I put another asterisk or caveat on that. Maybe if they take a, a, a worldwide web 
approach, a Ragnarok approach. I'm not sure if you're familiar with those projects, but they're basically top down 2D um, NFT environment. So it's almost plays like a Pokemon, but mm. they're scalable and they can work in browsers and whatnot. And, and they're very, um, they're very scalable from a processing standpoint, unless they take that approach and they're shelling ridiculous sums of money and their clout to get partnerships. I don't see it being possible for them to pull it off from a technical standpoint, because all they have really done, I say all they've done <laughs> is release a 2d project. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we're talking about a, a metaverse. I actually wrote a research paper on this recently about uh, wilder world and how from looking at their approach, are you familiar with that project? I don't know wilder world. Okay. So that's almost my point. Exactly. So mm -hmm. wilder world, what they're aiming to do is create a hyper photorealistic scalable to the, to the degree of literally, how do I even quantify it? internet scale where they could host billions and billions of users simultaneously concurrently mm -hmm. in this one mega world but then there'd be universes in there and then each universe has planets and then this, then the third. And they've already begun to work on this. They have partnerships with VaynerMedia, with Ledger. Um, mm. One of the guys, I forget the name of his firm, but he's the one who purchased the, the Beeple, the 500 days. Mm. His firm invested $30 million into this company uh, and they're building on the Unreal Engine. But basically their approach is to more or less create a one-to-one -one of the real world in this metaverse and make it so mm -hmm. that it's um, it's built on this platform called Zero, and then Wilder World is kind of just an expression of a world built on the Zero platform. But it's it's a lot to dive into, and so I only mention that to make the point that if someone's really talking about a for real for real metaverse, it has to be as frictionless to your point as possible, and people are not going to to accept everything looking like cartoons. <laughs> right. Like when we're talking about a, a, a real deal kind of ready player one style metaverse, people want skeuomorphic. They want things to look like they do in real life. If we're talking about removing the illusion of it being fake, because if people wanted something that was fake and connected, they could just go play GTA. They could go play some some other sort of game. But to really make this where commerce is possible, where uh, entertainment meetings enterprises, industries, racing, all these other things, gambling, betting, shopping, all of that can flow in one platform. That, that, that is a tall engineering order, a very tall engineering order. And from what I have looked at, they are the only company I see building in that direction with that intention, which is a very long-term very resource in uh, intensive process. And so anything that Yuga Labs is doing, if they already have it done, it's already not possible that it can be the metaverse because it could, it's very hard to believe that you would technically achieve that right now, unless they release a very, very small slice of it right now. And then they iterate over time. But I don't think that's really what they're trying to do. I think they're more trying to create an IP metaverse. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely becoming the, Disney of Web3. <clears throat> and it was a really interesting. Yeah, I, I think I agree with most of um, what you said there. With the, I think blockchain in, is taking a few steps out of the equation for a lot of these companies. If, for example, the interoperability of the metaverse, that could just be a blockchain railway system. 
that can sort of take you from place to place in, in a way much like the top down, the World Wide Web did. But then mm-hmm. the blockchain provides the, the, the economy underneath that. And for a lot of these systems to be able to thrive in the way that they want to, it, like you said, a ready player one style metaverse, the financial rails of that system is probably going to be one of the most important parts. You know, there's the basic tech levels to get right. Can you hold a billion people in your thing? Well, Facebook have served, you know, solved that problem with servers. You've got NVIDIA working towards creating the AI systems and the, the real, you know, servers who can hold that in 8K retina resolution in your so there's a lot of different things to come together and maybe blockchain is just one small piece of that entire pie um mm-hmm. but it's fascinating to watch yuga and what they're doing they are definitely going to be studied in business schools for decades to come um by i'd, I'd say they are the the equivalent now of like the, the trendiest the best company in blockchain and i was really surprised when i found out the other day they only had something like um 60 or 70 employees under the whole operation I'm so glad you make that point because I think that speaks in droves to the the efficiency. And when mm-hmm. you plan, you get the right people and you're focused on what it is you want to do, which is part of why. And I wrote another paper um, on my medium about the idea of the metaverse. It was about a project called Zero from Nexus. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. Uh, it's a virtual mm-hmm. influencer project that Mark Cuban invested in by a company called Offbeat Media. But I mentioned in there that this idea that there's going to be one metaverse is flawed. That's not Mm. going to be what happens. It's a term that gets thrown around right now, just like when people say blockchain. You know, back in the day, they used to be like, not blockchain, Bitcoin. And it's like, no, 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 (laughs) no. And I think that to your point, to answer the long, my my very long answer to your question, I do think it is, it's a bad move to bet against Yuga Labs. To put mm-hmm. it very simply, I think that they are positioning themselves to be like the Amazon, the Disney, the Netflix, like the hyper, hyper, hyper growth example of a blockchain based company that's not limited to technology, that's not just limited to art, that's not just limited to store your IP. And I think from that perspective, yeah, they're going to nail whatever it is they, they're, they're going to try to do. But I don't think that they're actually trying to be the metaverse. I think they're trying to be a metaverse and the way they're going to execute it or approach it. They're probably going to do a good job because I think they're rational, understand the limits of what they're able to do at this point in time that still provides them with upside. Yeah, yeah. They may or may not be one of the or the fastest growing unicorn company of all time. Um, you know, I think it was last August they launched. So they've had about seven months um, mm. to be to be valued at four and a half billion dollars um, with just under 70 employees. So, yeah, you, it, the efficiencies of blockchain systems basically can put certain companies in order of magnitude above <laughs> they are their previous operating kind of standards. So it's going to be super interesting as this technology grows to see what else people are going to build with it because we've kind of crossed the threshold of public awareness. There's enough talented people working now. So even if you just want to grab some popcorn and just watch the amazing things that are going to be built in the space, it's going to be a wild ride over the next few years. Yeah, yeah. But so if if you were starting off um, right now, you had minimal money um, to spend, where would you put that? The top three projects that you... And stable coins interest can be one. Um, Bitcoin and Ethereum are out for this round. Okay. Okay. No, no, that's a wonderful question. Uh, so 
I'll answer it in the direct way that I should answer the question. And then I'll have another way that I would actually answer mm -hmm. that. So the first one, if we're talking about actually deploying that capital, so take a portion of it, you can set it in some stable coins, but if we don't have that much money, let's not be too stressed about losing it. So we're not going to put it in stable coins. We're going to put it on some risk that has mm -hmm. some upside, right? Uh, so when I think about projects in the space that I think are, are undervalued for various reasons, or could be very dominant players down the road, one of them, and this is a, a long-term bet. I don't know what our time horizon here is, uh, but <laughs> let's assume the time horizon is, is a whole cycle. So uh, a Bitcoin having the, the, the run up and the crash. Let's call that mm -hmm. one whole cycle. I would put some of that in Wilder World just because of um, how early they are, how little recognition that they have in a lot of ways right now versus the potential if what they do does click. It could absolutely flop because it's trying to be too ambitious, too complicated, whatever. But I think that is not a bad idea. Uh, I think a safe bet that captures what Ethereum's trying to do as well as some interoperability a lot of people would say Atom uh, or Cosmos, something. Mm -hmm. I forgot they rebranded, but I would kind of have a, uh, that is a good one. But if you want to up the risk reward, do Polkadot instead. Mm -hmm. Because Polkadot is starting to hit its stride. And I think that between Cosmos and Room, the last few weeks have really reminded people that interoperability is very important. And having something that kind of is a, as a framework for that is essential. And so when I look at what Polkadot, obviously Gavin Newsom, he, he did the technical white paper, the technical paper for Ethereum. A lot of people think Vitalik did everything. No, he didn't do everything by himself. Gavin Wood did the technical side of it. He's the mm -hmm. one running this project and we're seeing them kind of come out of hibernation and invest in marketing. Um, so I think that's going to be a critical yeah. component. So, sorry to interrupt, um, but the, the Cosmos one is really interesting. And it's really interesting that you brought that and Polkadot up and how they're kind of different because to people that don't know, Cosmos is kind of kind of trying to be an Ethereum in a way. They are, they have an, their own ecosystem, their own blockchain, their own circle of influence around their app. And in a way, unless you, if you take people like Polkadot out of the equation who provide the interoperability, Cosmos would have been competing directly with Ethereum. Investing in Polkadot allows you to kind of, you know, sell the shovels in this situation, allow mm -hmm. all of the blockchains to talk to each other. So, you know, you could be using Atom or Ethereum, but you're probably going to be always using Polkadot. That's a very, very, I'm, I'm glad you made that distinction because it's like, just it, it's Cosmos has that head start, you know, and they have mm -hmm. things like all these other blockchains using their SDK, mm -hmm. which is phenomenal press like Luna or the Terra ecosystem uses their SDK mm -hmm. and some other prominent blockchains. So that's a big selling point. And I think that we're still at that stage where we have not seen the, the parachains on Polkadot, let alone Kusama, really hit their strides yet mm -hmm. where people now are familiar with them. And I think we're entering into that window because always investors are also going to be chasing, you know, the alpha and then developers are going to look for, okay, why is this potentially better? And one thing that Polkadot is focused on is trying to abstract the need to have DOT to use any of their parachain mm -hmm. systems. So when users come in, there's one less barrier to entry. Uh, and then the last one I would say right now is I really think about, and this is actually tough. I don't want to cop out. So anyhow, I'll leave the very first one because you could switch out Wilder World for Render, um, mm -hmm. but Render is going to have to fix their tokenomics for it to really make sense, but they are going to be critical in powering all this metaverse stuff. So then the last one I would say is another kind of, you know, swing for the fences bet is Luxo. 
And the reason I say Luxo is because to your point about the new standards being created, uh, it's created and led by Fabian Vogelsteller, who actually created the ERC-20 standard format. He literally created that. Uh, and then his partner and co-founder is Madjuri Hernandez. And what they are aiming to do is create that layer that makes everything profile-based as opposed to smart uh, as opposed to key management based. And yeah. so this has applications for fashion. They're working with like the president of Chanel, Nike, a bunch of other people to incorporate these standards. And there's a really phenomenal interview he did with uh, Camilla Russo on The Defiant, where he explains why profiles make far more sense than having private keys. And it's a damn compelling argument. He makes a lot of good points, uh, but you would still have a private key but your profile manages those private keys in a way that's that's far more friendly for non-tech savvy people. And they haven't even launched their full blockchain. They're in testnet phase, but this comes out and they execute on this the right way. All the stuff we're talking about, removing the friction from using these sites and these, these uh, projects, and then a lot of technical advancements on how these uh, tokens on this standard interact with smart contracts. It, it overhauls it in, in a way that is backwards compatible as well. And uh, and I think there's just a lot of green pasture there, especially as, as blockchain technologies move into commerce and fashion, which I think we're going to see a major wave. And if people didn't know about FTX's recent hire a couple of weeks ago, they hired a head of uh, fashion. Uh, and mm. so big it, moves, you know, big Sam Bankman free. He ain't, he ain't a goof. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I, I like that guy. I like that guy. He, have you seen how he lives? He, oh my. <laughs> hey, bro, wow. he is thorough. <laughs> he is focused on the mission. He oh, said, yeah. yeah, I'm rich, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've man, got v -V So You may not like it, but th this is the peak male performance over here. <laughs> Between the two of them. Wow. My trust no, is I mean, guarded, right? <laughs> Yeah, so another reason to bet big on Ethereum and smart contract platforms, man, you know, uh, and both of these have proven to be good leaders. You know, some people don't want leadership. They want everything to be decentralized. I think there's a fine line, you know, sometimes it's good to have a leader to come in and it's like watching, you know, Planet of the Apes with Caesar, you know, and Koba's trip and he's coming. He's like, hey, 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 <laughs> this is the way forward, in my opinion. You know, these are the reasons why. Uh, and then the other cop-out answer to that question is to hold on to that money, buy you some time and research. If you're passionate, use that time that that money provides you and go get a job in this space. Yeah, yeah. It's it's incredible, the community. I mean, we hired somebody directly from the community um, that I'd spoken to on Discord just the other day. And it's, it's you know, with, without this community, it's, it's almost another hiring pool. So yeah, invest the money in yourself and then just go and connect with as many people as possible actively look for an opportunity and if you want it you know there's a lot of there's a lot of jobs going at the moment in the space there's a real need for for talent for passionate individuals to come who who are hungry who are willing to dedicate some time to it and that could be the, you know the best option for a lot of people mm -hmm. and it's often a good way depending on the project you join to get tokens you yeah. know um i know i was doing the and we're kind of still in flux a bit on getting the schedule really ironed out, but the Alchemist project, Alchemist Coin, mm. have you heard of them? Mm. They did uh, Mystex and Copper and, and that launch platform, but I do the podcast for them. And that was mm. something that came together just because I was in the Discord. And one day they sent out a you know shout out, yo, we need somebody who can present boom, boom, bap. And I had podcast experience and I'm like, yeah, I really believe in this project. Let me jump in and see how I can contribute. You know, And I got paid out in their native tokens. So I didn't have to spend any money to do that. And that might not be what everybody wants to do, but 
You can go the corporate route in, in crypto. You can go the decentralized route. You can join something like what y'all are doing and help somebody build something very novel in the space. It's, it's a lot of options. So, yeah. Um, is, is, is there any links you want to share um, to, you know, your socials, your course? If people are getting started in the space, I would highly recommend at least having a look at the course. It is so comprehensive. And, you know, I've, I've, I've looked at a lot of different courses. You can get many different types from many different teachers. I would place my bets here. But is there any links you want to shout out right now? Man, I really appreciate that vote of confidence, Josh. Uh, that, that really means a lot. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, if you just go to nativeassets.co.co, um, that's our website. If you put the forward slash foundations, that'll take you to our landing page for the full blockchain foundations course. And basically we just teach you all the things you need to know to be a profitable investor in this sector. So whether you want to trade, whether you're trying to long-term invest, or you just simply want to better understand DeFi, how to earn yields, the things you need to look out for, uh, the, the positives and the negatives of all of this, uh, as well as understanding Ethereum and Bitcoin at a fundamental foundational level, then, then this is the, the course to check out and if the course is a little bit out of your price range which i understand or if you don't feel like that's too much to jump into we have the book uh that i wrote the blockchain blueprint a practical guide to crypto and an impractical age of fiat and you can grab that from amazon.com just search the name of the book it'll come up uh but as well once again trying to give back to the community if you don't have the funds for that either then we actually have the audio book i recorded for free if you go to our podcast and you can find that at anchor anchor.fm forward slash native assets and then just scroll down a little while and you'll find the blockchain blueprint link uh and then if you kind of want everything in one place it is linktree uh, forward slash Savon springer and i believe that is where you can find a bunch of these different links my youtube channel all of that sort of stuff it's kind of like you know scattershot but mm. <laughs> put out these resources for people and we have a discord so join the discord it's free yeah, Discord is the place to be. If you don't have a Discord account and you're listening to this right now, get a Discord account. And also, <laughs> if you're listening to this right now, you are very, very early. Jump in, educate yourself, get involved, see what sticks. Thank you very much for being here, Savon. Uh, I'm very grateful for your time. And thank you very much for listening to Airdrop. Thank you, Josh. It's been a pleasure, man.